The easiest way to get through the entire Bible in a certain length of time is to follow a set of readings every single week so that you can get through it in, say, three years. And so um, to make it easier, to get back to basics for the church, I'm like, look, we're just going to preach the lectionary. We're going to go through every three years. We're going to get the full width and breadth and depth of what the Bible has for us, which is going to be amazing. So many good texts to choose from in this week's lectionary readings. The reading in Luke 5, um, the one that was read earlier, emphasised again uh, the need to share the good news where the disciples give up everything to become fishers of men. Um, I'd love to go there. But today we've got to get back to basics. 1 Corinthians 15, something to help us re-engage as a church about what, the, what is at the core of our faith here. What is at the core? The gospel. After finishing our look at the gospel of Jesus in last year's series, we can now look at the gospel that's in the New Testament. So we had a look at the gospel of Jesus in Isaiah. Now we're going to have a look at the gospel that's in the New Testament. Same gospel, different way of looking at it. Okay, the gospel not only cuts across all race, racial, social, gender, economic, educational barriers. For those that are taking notes, Romans 1, 16, Galatians 3, 28. But it also spans centuries of time. A message which does not become obsolete, read Jude 3. It is for the church's sacred trust today. The good news which the church offers to the world to bring hope. Now, for those fast-eyed kids amongst us, let's go next slide, Kirst. Oh, click on the... Yeah, it is. For those fast-eyed kids amongst us, yes, that is a... It's a Minecraft zombie. It is a Minecraft zombie. And today's text in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, it talks about something. What, what did Lynette read about just then? Did anybody hear what it was talking about? Resurrection. Who knows what the word resurrection means? I know you do, but you've been listening. Here we go, over here. This is good. Hey, buddy, how are you? Have you had a good week? Yeah. What does resurrection mean? Revive. Reviving? Ah, so what happens to be revived? What do you have to do first? Say it into the microphone, Sarah. Die. Yeah, you have to die first. Okay, good. Now, when I die um, and then I revive, tell me, am I like the Minecraft zombie up there, all green? No, you're alive. Alive. What type of alive? Uh, spiritually alive. Spiritually alive? Uh, and what about... Your heart is renewed. What about physically? Well, you feel as good as you feel, don't you? <laughs> Interesting. You feel as good as you feel? I like it. Okay. Resurrection. What we're talking about today is something that is so intrinsic to our faith, so deep in our faith, that it, it's amazing. This is good news about what's going to happen. So let's get into it. Um, what we're talking about today, kids, we're talking about coming back alive. We're talking about coming back alive. That's going to be great. So for the adults... As we look today at our text, 1 Corinthians 15, open up your Bibles on your, on your iPad, on your laptop, on your, on your mobile phone. Okay. In it, we see perhaps the oldest of all testimonies to Jesus' resurrection. This passage with its reference and witness to the visible resurrection. Not just a few people, not just the disciples, but many people saw him. This resurrection is perhaps one of the most important parts of our faith in today's passage 
It is the capping stone to the gospel. In the book of Mark, the first recorded activity of Jesus is his preaching of the gospel in Galilee, Mark uh, 1, 14 and 15. If we look around a bit further in the Bible, in the New Testament, Luke records that Jesus started his ministry in Nazareth by reading from Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2, and applying the prophecy to himself. Does anybody know what he says? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news, the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That's in Luke as well, in, 14, in chapter 4, verses 18 to 19. The word gospel, it denotes good tidings. It has two basic uses, right? It has this sense of active proclamation. You know, when I was, um, when I was in Bible college doing my chaplaincy unit, the professor said that this proclamation was like... Um, he said his job as a chaplain was to keep the whisper of God alive. This little whisper, this proclamation. You can either whisper it or you can shout it from the rooftops. But um, it's a sense of proclamation. But then also, you know, that's one way of looking at it. But the second way of looking at it is, hang on a second, there's content, there's actual things that make up what the gospel is. And so it's important to look at this word today, the word gospel, euangelion uh, in the Greek, good news as there's potentially a divide of understanding about what it means. And I'd love to clear that up for us as we move forward as a church. So is the gospel something to be shared, you know, like a speaking out? Is it a proclamation? Or is the gospel an actual set of tenets, a list of things? Set content. So both usages... Both verb, you know, action and noun thing happened just a little bit earlier in Paul's writing in Corinthians. In Corinthians uh, chapter 9, verse 14, and he says, Those who proclaim the gospel, as in the content of the gospel, should be paid a wage by the gospel, the act of proclaiming it. So there's, there's two ways you can read it, just in this one verse, okay? And it's significant that on many occasions, Paul uses the word euangelion, or gospel, without any qualifier. That is, there's no adjective, there's no phrase, there's no clause to define what he means by the gospel. Romans 1 verse 16, if you want, Romans 10 verse 16, Romans 11 verse 28. Obviously, for that time, good news had a sufficiently standardised meaning for those people. And Paul readers when he wrote that, knew precisely what it was that he meant. And so the question arises, if Paul and his readers viewed the gospel as containing a certain content, what was that content? While Paul nowhere gives us a complete list, he does give us some idea of what it includes. In Romans 1, uh, 3 to 4, he speaks of the gospel concerning God's son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and designated son of God in power, according to a spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. So that's Romans 1. So we've got designated son of God, according to or proved by his resurrection. This has to be part of the good news, yes? This is the good news, right? So this resurrection and the good news that it's part of gives basic shape 
to everything that the church does. The resurrection itself is the element which touches the heart of all the church's functions. Namely, in Jesus' resurrection, God stamped his authority on everything that Jesus had spoken. The resurrection is good news. And so at the beginning of his ministry, Jesus announced that he'd been anointed specifically to preach this good news, and I repeat, Isaiah 61, applying the prophecy to himself, Spirit of the Lord is upon me, uh, because he wants me to preach good news. We see him doing this in Mark chapter 1, where he says, hey, change your mind about religion. Repent, believe the good news, proclamation, and then action. Fulfilling everything that we spoke about in our series last year on the kingdom of God. Later in the Gospels, he commanded the apostles to continue what he started by spreading the gospel in action. Mark 20, uh, Matthew 28, go make disciples and teach them to obey, as in share the gospel both in proclamation and content. Without any doubt then, the gospel and the resurrection's approval stamp lies at the root of all the church does. More so as Jesus puts into practice what he has said, he now entrusts to the believers the good news, which he had shown them through his life, through his own teaching and preaching from the very beginning of his ministry. Are you all with me so far? That's a pretty good starting cap, but we haven't actually touched on the content, have we? We, haven't, we, we sort of touched on it, but we haven't actually said what it is. So, um, we'll leave my boulder. Everyone saw my boulder as they walked in. They go, why is that big, conking great big bit of cardboard there? That's a boulder. That's a nice boulder. I like that boulder. Has uh, anybody seen Shrek? Yeah. I'm just going to put the boulder here for a moment. Just stay there. You reckon it's going to hang? No, oh, that's a shame. Maybe it will. It's going to fall over. All right. And then I'm going to come over here and I'm going to ask people, hey, what do you think of the gospel? And I'm going to ask for my kids' helpers this week in our family focus sort of space. So you know who you are. Come on up. I'm going to get you for me and you for me and you for me when we get there. I'd love to hear what elements, what content do we think the gospel has? And what we're going to do, we're going to write this content on individual balloons and hopefully everybody today gets to take home a balloon and they're going to be able to take and carry the gospel with them wherever they go. Does that sound good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is going to be fun. Okay, Gordo, hop in that baptistry there. Go pick up some balloons and we're going to start writing. Leanne, we're going to be calling them fast and furious. So we're going to need more people writing here. Okay, if you think something belongs in the gospel, tell me what you think it is. What, what are the defining elements of the gospel as a church? Let's start. Can we call them out? New life. New life. Good. You won't be able to see this up on the board. This is just so that I've got a copy for me. Hope. Good. Love. Love. Resurrection. Oh, good. But she hasn't been listening to me all week at home. Resurrection. Yeah, uh, yeah hand them out. That'd be great. Yep. 
Spirit. Spirit, keep going. Say again. Mercy. Interesting. Good. Salvation. Nice. Now we're getting into some big words. Salvation. That's on salvation. The cross. Good. Keep going. Grace. Oh, I love that word. Thank you, young man. He can come back next week. I like him. Jesus. Jesus. Oh, that's an important one. Not sure if you can give everybody the answers, darling. Sin. Sin. Oh, it's important. Thank you. There we go. We needed that one. Hope. Oh, we've already got hope. Hope's here. I heard peace. Sorry, I'm going to put peace up. Food. food. <laughs> Did I hear food? I'm going to put that in there. Jesus came eating and drinking, didn't he? I like it. Food. Say it again. Repentance. Very good. God. Repent. I thank you. Somebody put God up there. Nice. Holy Spirit. I'm going to put a big, big H. Uh, forgiveness is a big one. Yes. Forgiveness. Redemption. Now we're getting into some good words. Redemption. We've already got love. Blessing. Blessing. Good. Death and burial. I like it. There we go. We needed the death in there. Death and burial. Somebody's been reading 1 Corinthians 15 knowing where I was going with this. Burial. I didn't spell it properly, but you get the idea. Judgment. Yep, because that is in there. Judgment. Yep, and truth. Truth. Good. Wisdom. Ah, nice word. Wisdom. Fear of the Lord is the beginning. Faith. Have I already got faith? Grace. No faith. No faith. My goodness. I've got no faith. All right. Are we getting pretty close? Righteousness. We got that. Redemption. Right. No, it's not up there. Righteousness. Okay. How many, how many balloons have we got left? Uh, we got a few balloons left. Good. Let's leave that many. Has everyone got a balloon yet? Okay. I'm going to let these guys keep going and they can just keep rewriting some of these words. And I've got another four words to go, I think. Family. Family. Ooh, interesting. A coin. Listen and obey. Family and... Listen and obey. Listen and obey. Listen. Obey. Very good. Okay. Okay, we're going to keep going. We're going to call it. One last one. Healing. Healing. I think we already had healing. Do we have healing? Healing. It's good. So good. Okay. I'll take a photo of that and send it out to everybody this week.
It's going to be good. You can stop holding my boulder. Thank you. Where should I put the boulder? Over here? Okay. Thank you, Lorena, for holding the boulder. Okay. What is the gospel? We've listened, we've written elements of the gospel on a balloon. And hopefully, we've ended up with these key words. So if you read through 1 Corinthians 15 again, you'll see the key words of gospel twice. Uh, you've got preaching. Have we got preaching in here? Oh my goodness, we miss preaching. Is there a red marker somewhere? Where's those markers? There they are. We've got to put preaching in there. Preach. Preach. It's good. All right, what else we got? Uh, if we look for keywords through 1 Corinthians 15, open up your Bibles, read through with me. What do we got? Um, believe is in there. We've got believe up there, don't we? We don't have any belief? Well, faith. Well, let's put faith and belief together. Believe. Good. And then what else have we got? Uh, buried. We did have death and resurrection, didn't we? Death. Did we put bury in there? Bury's important. Yep, burial over there. Burial. What I wrote. Uh, then he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, which we haven't got in there. We haven't got scriptures in there. Scriptures. That's important. And then what else have we got? As you're reading through, what are you seeing? Uh, that he appeared to Cephas and the Twelve, or to Peter and the Twelve. And then we've got all of Paul's, I didn't get called, but grace. Grace is in there, preach is in there, and belief is in there now. Okay, so, what do you reckon? Is that, is that the gospel? Do we reckon that's where it's at? We're pretty close, content? It's, yeah, it's, it's hard to actually pull this down. What is the gospel, right? Um, it took us all of these words to come up with what the gospel was. Um, perhaps uh, Paul gives a better uh, exhortation in 2 Timothy 2 verse 8. He says this, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, defended, uh, descended from David, as preached in my gospel. What was that? Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descended from David, as preached in my gospel. Can we get, um, can we get four balloons and four points in there? Have we got four balloons left? Oh, you've got, oh, you've got them all on there. Now I want four individual balloons and I'm going to get them held up. We're going to go, remember my gospel. What is it? Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descended from David, as preached in my gospel. I don't think we need the last one. Isn't it interesting that Paul had a gospel, as preached in my gospel, as in Paul's gospel? Very interesting. We all have a gospel to share. Those words that we pulled out there, they're your story of how you've interacted with Jesus. Isn't it awesome? Okay, so what have we got? We've got, remember Jesus Christ. We've got risen from the dead. Descended from David. I think we got that. We'll come back to that later. I think we're, we're short of time. Okay, so kids, has that been fun to engage in?
Yes? Something for you to take home. Okay, what is the gospel? Actually, we want, to, we want to do this. We want to do this. This is our memory verse today, okay? Remember Jesus Christ. Everyone say, remember Jesus Christ. Risen from the dead. Descended from David. As preached in my gospel. And so what is this gospel for Paul then? Okay, kids, you can uh, hold on to those balloons and I love that you're floating them around really good. I'm going to have another chat with the parents for a bit. As we get into our text, Paul says nothing of the place or the people that we hear about in the four synoptic gospels. We don't hear about the boulder in this 1 Corinthians 15. The boulder, that's a nice boulder. We don't hear about that. We don't hear about the women's testimony. He doesn't mention the empty tomb. It's easy to think that Paul knew of these stories, which are really familiar to us, having them uh, all packed into a book, all bound, delivered to us in the Bible. But in writing, this book, 1 Corinthians, was written in the year 54. He might not have actually known them. The closest we get to the synoptic gospels in this passage is where Paul mentions that Peter, or Kepha, or Cephas, however you want to say it, was among the first to whom Jesus reappeared. So Paul does know that he appeared to different people. Paul starts off chapter 15 by reminding his readers in what terms he had preached the gospel to them. Verse 1, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter, to 12, to more than 500 at one time, to James, and then also to Jesus himself. I think that's the gospel. You know, we could go to Paul's exhortation to Timothy. You know, remember, Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descended from David, as preached in my gospel. This is what we know for certain, though. Paul viewed the gospel as centering on Jesus Christ and what God had done through him. If we go broader in the Bible looking for an exact gospel, particularly in the New Testament, Luke was also encouraged to write about the spread of the gospel before his death. And he also gave, to, gave some clues as to what his thoughts were. And so let's have a look at Acts chapter 10. So I'll try and nail these things down more fully. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 15 and place it alongside Luke's writing in Acts chapter 10 and see what we can come up with. Uh, Acts chapter 10 verses 34 to 43, which was written around the year 90. So this is another 40 years after Corinthians was written comes alongside 1 Corinthians. Help us elaborate what this gospel is. Um, do we have more balloons? Should we keep going? Are there any left? Yeah. Do we have like seven? Yes. I've got seven points. I don't think we need them. If we're out, we're out. Oh, we're out. Okay. Okay, we've got seven points. Seven parts of the gospel, okay? We're going to remember... Uh, the gospel's original terms. Now, brothers and sisters, I want you to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which I received and on which you have taken your stand. Acts 10, it says, you know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus. At some point, you had to come in contact with the gospel. You had to come in touch with this special stuff. What's the next thing? What's the next part of the gospel? You needed it to be... Uh, you needed to be fallen, in a sense. You needed to um, not know of God's love for you. 
So that's part of the gospel. Second one, the necessity of preaching. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15.1. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel. I preached to you which you received and on which you have taken your stand. Uh, Acts 10.42 says, He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one. Somebody preached the gospel to you. Do you remember remember anybody specifically preaching it to you? Stick your hand up if you do. Have a think back. It's a big deal. Somebody needs to share gospel message with you. How beautiful the feet of those who bring good news. Where is that passage? Somebody remind me. Can't remember. Okay, let's keep moving. I think it's in Proverbs. No, it might be Samuel. Who knows? The faith in which the church stands. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 2. Okay. By this gospel you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. Acts 10. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. This is our faith. This is how we stand. And this is how the church stands together. This is how we are gathered. Let's keep going. Handing down the tradition and story. So what I received I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Interesting that the scriptures are in there. That's everything that we've been preaching through Isaiah. Acts 10, uh, 37 says, uh, You know what's happened throughout the province of Judah, beginning in Galilee after the baptism, how God appointed this with the Holy Spirit, with power, how he went around doing good. We are witnesses of everything we did. You know, you know, you've been handed the tradition. You've been passed it on. And you need to keep passing it on. Let's keep going. What else is in the gospel? Christ's death uh, and also the forgiveness of our sins, I think, is the next one. But 1 Corinthians 15.3, Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. In Acts 10, they say they killed him by hanging him on a cross. Jesus died. This is a real man who was God, came down and he died. Let's go next one. Connection to the scriptures. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. I've already mentioned the scriptures. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his names. By his stripes we are healed, Isaiah says. Let's keep going. Christ's appearance to the twelve, Peter the twelve and many others. And so in uh, 1 Corinthians 15.4 we have it there in um, in plain, he appeared to everybody. Acts 10 also says he wasn't seen by all the people, but by witnesses who God had chosen and by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. Okay, so when, we, when Jesus rose from the dead, was he a, a Minecraft zombie? Was he a green squiggly man going to... No, he wasn't. Look at this. It says up there, by those who ate and drank with him after he rose. Jesus rose from the dead and you could stick your fingers in the holes in his hands. But he walked through a wall. Well, he did. He walked through a wall to get into that room. So something's going on there. Obviously a miracle sign of his godness, which is great. Uh, Is there anything else? Beautiful, the feet. Isaiah 52, thank you. 
Um, connection to the scriptures, Christ's resurrection. On the third day, oh, we missed one. We missed the resurrection. Oh, how could we miss the resurrection? It's okay, don't go back. It's fine. Oh, there it is. That doesn't appear in Acts. But there it is. So important that he actually died. He actually died. Three days he was dead um, to prove his deadness. Okay. One last thing to notice before we move on is that as we look at the Acts version of the Gospel outline, it's important to take into consideration the uncommonness of this situation. This is Luke recording what Peter was doing. Peter, uh, one of Jesus' disciples, went out to a man named Cornelius just earlier in this uh, passage in Acts 10, and he had a dream. And in that dream, God told him, hang on a second, this isn't just for the Jewish people. This is actually for the Gentiles as well. And so Peter, just before this, was only preaching the good news to those of Jewish descent. It was a huge step for Peter to change his understanding of the gospel and to open it up to the Gentile community um, that he's sharing with in Acts 10. And so this gospel message, particularly in light of that, it has impetus to be shared with not only those that we perceive to be clean, but actually with those unclean. This has impetus to be shared with the Gentiles. Actually, it has impetus to be shared with us. And that's how I got it. It's how you got and heard of the good news. There's no knowing if these two passages, Acts and Corinthians, were written in the knowledge of each other. Nor do we know how much Jewish thought carried through from the Old Testament witness to the slowly separating Christian church from the Jewish community. But we do see the link back to the scriptures. We do see the importance of following the seven hallmarks that we preached through last year. So that we end up with this now two texts plus the biblical uh, fullness approach. Two passages um, from which to start forming some doctrine. Does everyone remember last week what doctrine was? Last week in our family space I held up this book. This book here. This book here, this is a book on doctrine. Doctrine is what they call the teachings of the church that come when you have lots of things said about them in a Bible. And in the old days, they had one of these books. This is a concordance. Who remembers a concordance? I love this book. This is a great book. Okay, here we go. Now, last week, I had uh, my daughter Lorena hold on to the concordance, and it was fun. And I said, let's have a race. And I got her to look up a word, and of course she's struggled because she's never used a concordance before. And so I've had some people feeding back to me, hang on, when we're talking about doctrine, we need to know how many times a passage has been written. And our concordance tells us how many times a word shows up in the Bible. Anyway, so somebody said, well, why don't we have a rematch? Let's give somebody who's good at using a concordance, a concordance, and let's give Lorena a uh, on-your-phone Bible and we'll have a go, and we can see uh, who can find the words the quickest. Okay, so the word today is gospel. Just so you know, who's up for the challenge? Who reckons they can beat my daughter? Here you go. Terry's, <laughs> Terry's going for it. Okay, hang on, hang on. Hang on. Now, the phone is locked, okay? You have to unlock the phone. There's the concordance. Okay, the word is gospel. Go. She's got it. Okay, how many, ver how many in the Old Testament, how many in the New Testament? Oh, okay, I think, I think that's a draw. Are we calling it a draw? Okay, anyway. All right. 
Anyway, so what we've got here is doctrine. We've got a two-text approach, something that we can start saying, this is what we're going to start calling the gospel. This is going to be the content of the gospel. This started and formed the foundation for the church's Easter witness, where they looked at the boulder, and they looked at it rolled away, and they looked at it that it didn't need to be in front of the tomb anymore. Jesus was risen. Jesus resurrected. And this is starting to look like what we know the gospel is today. Okay, to finish this section, um, as we look up at that joined list, we see the gospel is this, right? That Jesus is the Son of God. We see his genuine humanity. We see his death for our sins. We see his burial. We see his resurrection. We see his appearance to the people. And what we don't see though we should, is the future coming in judgment. But it's in there. It is absolutely in there. How are we doing for time? What are we at? 10 past 11. Okay. I was going to do some cool exegetical stuff, but I'm going to leave that out because effectively you've got it. I think you've got it. So now what? As we come to the end, we must not think, however, that the gospel is merely a recital of theological truths and historical events. Rather, it takes these truths and relates to them, or relates them to the different lives of each individual person. Jesus died. He didn't just die. He died for our sins, for your sin, for my sin. Yeah, for your sin. Yeah. Furthermore, the coming return of Christ and the final resurrection of all men. If we go down just a little bit further for those that have still got their Bibles open, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 20 says that Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. The first fruits of those that are going to be raised again for judgment. Just a little bit further along. In the end, we will all be evaluated based on how we respond to this message of Christ. We all need to choose how we're going to respond to this gospel. Uh, Just like in 2 Thessalonians, if you want to read on later. It's not something that's just said, you know, proclaimed. It's not something that's just received and then left on the bedside table. It's not something that has no impact. And so what are you going to do with the gospel today? What are you going to do with Jesus who laid down his life that we might hear of God's love for us. One Peter four six says, "This is the reason the gospel was preached, even to those who are now dead, so they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regards to the spirit." For us in the church today we can look at one another and and sort of judge and gauge each person's response to the gospel. We can do that. We now have a criteria. We've, We've just listed it out, the content. But at the end of the day, the gospel is there to live in righteousness according to God, not necessarily to judge according to man's standard, but to live, what does 1 Peter 4, 6 say? But to live according to God in regards to the Spirit. And so each person stands or falls on their own relationship to God. But... Each person also has a responsibility to their faith community in upholding the truth. And this is where accountability to one another steps in. 
This is where we bow to the consensus of the gathering Christians, as in, it's not my way or I'm out. It's, can we work together to continue to share and make known this glorious gift that we've been given? And so the question for you this morning is, how are you living rightly? How are you living in the righteousness that God would call you to? What is your response to the gospel? What is your response to the love of God poured out for you? What are you hanging on to that isn't in line with Christian character as outlined by Christ in his ministry? Do you have something that you know isn't right that you keep doing? God says, let it go. You don't need it anymore. Be free of the worldliness that you're holding on to. For all those young people in the room, did you know that at some point when Jesus says that it's time, we're all going to come back alive. We're all going to get resurrected. And Jesus is going to ask us if we want to be with him. But how we answer him there will be the same answer that we give him through our life. Do I choose to be selfish or do I choose to be like Jesus? Do I hurt my neighbour or do I do what Jesus says and love my neighbour? Do I curse my enemies or do I bless my enemies? However we answer in life will be how we answer when we see him again. It's discipleship. It's stepping out. It's not just knowing the knowledge. It's walking it out. It's learning it and practising it. Do I follow Jesus' example or do I do what I want to do? For those that are older in the room this morning, 1 Corinthians 15 asks us the question in the first two verses. It reminds the Corinthian church of what they first believed when they first came to space, uh, faith. What space were you in? Take a mind back. Rewind. Where was I when I first started believing? What space were you in? What life situation? What ideas did you hold before the gospel first took hold of your life? How far have you come from that space? What areas of your faith are blinding you to the core message, coming back to this, to the core message of the gospel? Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descended from David, as preached in my gospel. Everything else is a nothing. A vanity, per Ecclesiastes. In non-essentials, freedom. In essentials, unity. In what terms did you first receive the gospel? Did you know about all the extra things you know about now? Was what you learnt in that moment enough? Was the gospel enough then? The gospel was enough then, and the gospel is enough now. Will you uh, pray with me? I'm going to pray into two, um, two verses, 2 Timothy 2, 8 and Isaiah 61 as we close. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descended from David, as preached in my gospel. Lord, we remember you this morning. Lord Jesus, you are the Christ. Lord, we remember that you died for us. We remember that you are risen from the dead and that is the approval stamp that we need. That's all we need to know that you are God and that your sacrifice was enough for us. Lord, we acknowledge that you were descended from David according to the scriptures. 
And Lord, I know that you call us all to preach our own gospel to our friends, to our neighbours, to our work colleagues, and our gospel will be your gospel. It will be what you've shared with us and what you reveal to us through your word. And Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, thank you that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, is on you. Lord, I pray that you would anoint us to preach good news to the poor. Lord, that you would help us proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. Lord, I pray you would help us set at liberty those who are oppressed. Lord, I pray people would know the year of your jubilee. Lord, lastly, I pray that you would help us to know the gospel. Lord, I pray that you would help us know God and his interactions with the world more. Lord, I pray you would help us to share Christ more by sharing the gospel with people. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to care for people as we tell them about the love of God in both proclamation, in action, and in content. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' powerful name and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank you so much.